I just remember that when I did like National Advocacy Days um, in DC, one of the people that I met was the first female secretary general of like my particular YMCA program. And so that was like, it was a crazy experience because she was like pretty young too. So it wasn't that long ago, like the program's been around for 50 years, but it was it was in relatively recent history. And so just like meeting her, I'd always like, I, I was like kind of on the fence about running. And, and the biggest thing that had been keeping me from doing so was I wasn't a hundred percent on my platform yet. Um, and I didn't want to run without something without something significant there. But talking to her made me, I guess, like whatever subconscious concerns that I had in terms of in terms of running, talking to her seriously about it kind of assuaged them because there have been female secretary generals in more recent history um, relative to like what Allison has experienced. But the ones that I had talked to that I was that I was friends with, I didn't really like talk about that particular experience with. So talking to her about that was something that I think, even though it might not have been like obvious to me in that moment, I think it was something that like subconsciously told me like this, if you're, if this is something you want to do, like you can do it. So even like the little moments like that, like having those kinds of conversations with people who have gone through that and her being willing to have that conversation with me are like big things that can, the little things that can make the big difference. Yeah. And that's crazy to think that just while you're what, 16, 17? You made that decision just off of like one conversation with people and that just like shows how just being able to talk about this stuff because it feels as though like in some situations people don't want you to talk about what it's like to be a woman in politics or they don't want you to talk about your experience of maybe not feeling not as though you're heard or as though you're represented because you're a woman. I don't know if you guys have experienced that but I definitely have just being kind of told be quiet like we don't need to hear that but yeah yeah and to mentioned some of these people that have either been first or have been a part of like a generation of first because it does seem that there was this generation whether you were the first woman to be in congress or you were the first um, race uh, that you represent to be in congress it was still this kind of generational change in the 2000s when these women did come in and they kind of took Capitol Hill by storm, which I just love saying that that brings me so much joy. Um, some of these women that we want to emphasis on that they have not been portrayed by the media or even by their colleagues in Congress are not even more. These people are still dealing with these horrible things being said about them or just being portrayed in nasty ways. These women are Nancy Pelosi, AOC, and Ayanna Presley. And I, for one, I remember seeing in 2018, looking at all these women, and I was amazed that they were all being elected to Congress. I was like, look at this, this new wave of women that are going to be able to represent me. Somebody that looks like me is up there and has shown that you can do this. Like, look to all the young girls that are in the United States and said, you dream and you dream big because you can do the same thing that I did. And yet, whenever I then looked to my side where my own father was sitting, he was automatically talking about how Nancy Pelosi is ugly or AOC talks too much and she's ill-intelligent just because she worked at a bar or Ayanna Presley is ugly whenever she cut her hair. And it was just these horrible, degrading comments. And I was so shocked because here I am sitting right next to him, his own daughter, with wishes to maybe one day be just like them and be elected into Congress. And he's saying these horrible things about these women just by the way they look. No, he doesn't even focus on their past or all their accomplishments and their successes that have got them to this moment because those deserve to be recognized. But no, people 
like my father and people in the media instead choose because they don't agree with these people or because they don't agree with their policies, they automatically feel as though since it's a woman, since is somebody that they see as beneath them, that they can knock them down in ways that you would never knock down a male. And I would love to just hear your guys' opinions on that, especially just with the media and also your own experiences, seeing as we are all women in politics and we have all experienced this in some way. I was going to say on the other side, I feel like there's a lot of tokenization of women who go into politics. I know- uh, Very interesting. Yeah, just looking, I mean, we were, we were speaking to firsts before, right? And how- um, oftentimes with the best of intentions, we tend to look at people who have gotten to these great heights and think of it as, oh my goodness, we must think of you as the authority on issues for women or issues for people of color or what have you. Um, And essentially just sort of making them the darling child of a certain movement, but in so doing, sort of taking away the movement, right? And sort of saying, look at this accomplishment. We found our one person. We're going to have them speak to their experiences a whole bunch. And we're going to say we're done. Um, And that's something that I think is frequently reflected. And it's something that recently a lot of individuals have been working against um, as we're paying more attention. I'm not saying that we're seeing more, but just that we've we've paid more attention to certain injustices in our society. um, And transforming that into like long-term activism as opposed to just finding okay here's our person they're going to be the representation of this entire idea of this need for equality and progress and we are going to put them on a on a stand um, and have them share their views share their experiences and while it's great to have that sort of representation it can often um not only minimize the impact that a movement can have but it can also really other that person and make them just to segue into our next conversation um, about the emphasis on women's looks in politics. One of the things I really, really wanted to talk about because I saw it when while I was growing up being only a 17-year-old girl, um, the first really administration that I saw in the White House was the Obama family. And growing up in a household that was severely conservative and didn't really expect accept any other views, it was really weird to grow up and see like oh there's like a really strong female figure in the white house that was michelle obama and that came in with her new ideas and new plans in order to help kids in school or whatever project she was taking up next because it seemed like she was always doing something new yet my dad would say horrible things about her i'd hear people in my community say horrible things about her like even being a she man or making fun of her appearance um whether that was because she was a woman or because she was a woman of color, that is up to your interpretation. But that was really weird to see as a kid growing up. And then to see how they've portrayed Melania Trump in this well-mannered, sit-pretty woman. It's been weird to just see the differences that people will portray women as just to push their political agenda, if you guys understand what I'm saying. Yeah, absolutely. There were a couple things in there. Um, To touch on them, I think, and this ties back a little bit to what Allison was saying, um, with regard to that, like, othering experience and and paring down an individual to, like, one specific aspect of themselves, um, especially individuals who are perhaps, like, the first of that thing in a particular position. That kind of ties into what we were talking about with regard to the objectification of women. So, like, a woman is, like, this one thing. Usually, like, if you're talking about something you can, like, buy off a shelf, like an object, like, it's described by one particular feature. So, I think in terms of that, when you 
pared down a, a specific person's experience, like Allison said, it can really be an othering experience for them. Like they don't feel like they're part of the group that gets to accomplish something. It's very like us and them rather than us trying to do something together. And so there's that aspect of it. And then another thing to consider with regard to that is that by trying to create that, that solution of, of having this particular person that you uplift. Like Allison said, there's that representation aspect, which is really good. But then the other side of that is it can just be a shallow solution to a very deep, deep, deep rooted problem. And so instead, while you uplift this individual and say like, look, we have this one. So that means there's not a problem here. There's all those underlying problems for the people who you aren't seeing that aren't really being addressed. So there, you have to create this balance of showing people like this is a place that you can be but also in this place this person and the other people who are now learning from the from the experience of being surrounded by a more diverse array of people are working to create progress to resolve the issues that currently exist so there's like there's two sides to that and then other thing that you were mentioning with regard to the treatment of Michelle Obama versus Melania Trump and also just the general rhetoric of like Michelle versus Melania like Obama versus Trump so on that kind of pitting women against each other for how, how they behave and how, how they look, that in and of itself it brings it down to like, there's one that's right and one that's wrong. And when in reality, people exist within themselves and have their own personal presentations and to pit one against the other means that there's a right one, at least in the minds of a particular individual versus just like everyone exists as themselves and should be confident to present themselves in the way that they are most comfortable. But specifically as to how they were treated within the media and how women's looks factor in, I think it just came down to like what people were used to seeing. So if people weren't used to seeing a woman like Michelle Obama, or they weren't used to seeing a woman like Melania Trump, or they believe that their appearance means something, is symbolic of something beyond just who they are, it's just their appearance as a person. I think doing that is just meant to, like Allison said before, that othering aspect. You're supposed to say like, this is something different that we don't like. This is not what we think represents ourselves. And then attacks a person based on their appearance versus when you're discussing their, their positions as an individual who is in the political sphere or with regard to how they present themselves professionally and so on. So appearance has taken a level that is equal or close to equal with political pos position and professionalism and so on for women in a way that it hasn't for, for the vast majority, if not all men. So I think that's where that like objectification aspect as well as that tokenism aspect that Allison was mentioning before really come into play. Just to simplify this for some of our listeners, but what you're really saying is that women aren't seen as like a person anymore. It's seen as you are a woman, so we're going to give you a characteristic. Not explicitly so. So often, like it, it historically speaking, if we're just going to talk about like in the context of like majority of time and I'm generalizing here because it's all of history uh, but in in a lot of in the vast majority of cultures women were considered to be on some level property or at the very least like subjugated to men and so it was paired appearance was a big thing that you judged women by in in those particular settings so we see that today. Obviously, it's not to the same degree. You're not trading like your daughter for a cow in most situations, at least here in America. That's not a thing that we see happening. Uh, so um, that in that aspect, 
it's not quite the same. It's it, uh, we're, We've obviously seen progress, but in the same way, little things like if a woman goes into like chamber for Congress and isn't wearing makeup on her face, that's something that people would point out versus if like a man had maybe whatever equivalent people would have, like his shirts, you know, his suit's not like all up to par, like that might not be so much of an issue. Might just be, ah, he had a long night working in the office versus he looks tired, is he up to the job? So it's like the little microaggressions that we hear yeah. more so today rather than like a, a woman is just her looks. They don't talk about her policy at all, but it's more so that like policy is like placed on level with that rather than it shouldn't even be in the same conversation. Like a, what we've heard in the news a lot or even in conversation a lot is these people are under a microscope, microscope basically. Any minor flaw that they might have, and especially with women, it's usually based on their appearance that is then somehow transcribed into their accomplishments or what their policies are or what their project is that they're working about. And Allison, I know that you had brought up the argument, I shouldn't even say argument because it's not an argument, but just the slander almost that was happening on media about whether to call Dr. Biden, Jill Biden or Dr. Biden based on her PhD. I would say social media in general was, or at least the social media that I have access to was, was pretty, um, pretty clearly on one side of that whole argument. But for, for those who, who may not remember, it was essentially just an article put forth by um, a male author. Essentially, it was published as an op-ed, I believe, in the Wall Street Journal that was discussing why Dr. Jill Biden, first lady, should not be referred to as Dr. Jill um, because she had a PhD uh, rather than an MD. Generally, in most professional spaces, uh, those with PhDs are frequently referred to um, as doctor. So that is it's essentially a doctoral degree <laughs> um, is what it's called in effect. So having those kinds of conversations, it's like both of you were saying, it serves to um, this perception of women and, and that double standard really delegitimizes um, what they're doing and sort of just takes some power away from it. And as Salam was saying, it's not, a, it's not necessarily that these double standards and, and the issues that are viewed more with more scrutiny for women are the only thing being viewed. I'd say a lot of people know that Dr. Biden is a well-accomplished teacher and educator and has had many accomplishments. But that being said, it is still put somewhat on par with that in our level of conversation. And it makes it more difficult to demonstrate that someone is qualified. Because when any person walks into a room, they can get things done more quickly if they're respected by those other folks in the room. Um, so having these kinds of double standards tear down that respect just on an initial basis, whether it be their appearance um, or their qualifications simply because of their gender. Uh, it makes it very difficult to actually get those things done. And ultimately, at the end of the day, at least I personally believe that um, it's the productivity that we're looking for, right? We want our leaders to be effective and productive and work towards betterment of society. But when these more trivial issues get in the way that are so... Um, so determined by gender and, and these larger patriarchal systems or system, systemic racism, we see significant uh, blockages in that actual productivity. Seconded. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And what you're saying about the productivity, it's really difficult to do that whenever such in Dr. Jill Biden's case, she is perceived in a way that a man would never really be perceived. You, like you would never question a man's degree to whether he should be called doctor, whether he should be called mister. Um, and that really is seen still in politics of just this battle of perspective or battle of 
how we perceive men and women and how those differences are just so extreme. And um, Allison, I know you had some words that you want to say on this. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the, the anecdote that I had just was thinking of um, was with regards to a few months ago, there was a little bit of controversy um, over Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez being referred to um, with some profanities that I will not repeat on this podcast, um, but just generally very unprofessional language that typically comes from a, a gendered background. Um, and those words were used by a fellow member of Congress, Representative Yoho. Um, and for those of you who remember, AOC delivered a very um, impassioned speech about the, the danger of referring to women in general, but also women in leadership by those sorts of terms and the disrespect that's demonstrated there. Um, but I think that the reason people found that experience so powerful is because those words are really representative of these larger views, again, that are used against in, in big and small ways um, against women and um, other, other individuals who are underrepresented in society. In this instance, it was these profanities that were very difficult to listen to from somebody who's supposed to be this beacon of professionalism um, and, and productivity in government. But what was behind that, I think, was far more significant. Um, and it's just the general lack of respect for those that we perceive differently. And it's those double standards that um, we kept referring to uh, just a bit ago. They can have a genuine impact on, you know, of, of course, the, the broader systems of how these people are working, but also just on these individual women in leadership. They shouldn't be referred to by these terms. And it serves to show a story that a lot of women have experienced. Ultimately, it's not an isolated challenge that specifically AOC had to face in this moment. We know so many women who we work with, who we spend time with, maybe who we are, who go about life maybe not having that exact experience, but still having worked past, worked through, worked against those forces that allowed those words to be stated. So I think that in general, if anything, this was just a lesson that we need to be careful of the, the verbiage we use um, as we go about discussing other individuals and just showing respect ultimately. Um, but on a, on a broader scale, certainly looking to see that these words matter and can certainly be representative of much broader issues. Yeah. Um, so um, just before we end here, do you want to kind of speak to Kamala Harris, especially she has just become one of those first that we're talking about and kind of everybody's looking to her right now and just speak to how she's being perceived right now and just the legacy that we're hoping to, that she leaves behind. Yeah, I can speak to that a bit. Um, another thing, briefly before I do that, just to touch on what Allison had mentioned, um, I think another thing about the statement that uh, AOC actually made was that it helped, I think, in a way to normalize the idea of like standing up for oneself in those kinds of situations in a way that isn't perceived as like you're whining or complaining or like you should just take it because oftentimes just like in general, and this is just a across the board statement for just about anybody when you're faced with some kind of discrimination or faced with words like those, you oftentimes are just like it's me. So I'll just keep quiet and take it. But if you saw that happening to somebody else, you know, you'd be stepping up like about to throw hands for them. So like there's that idea of like, when something's happening for you, 
you should just like sit and take it like it doesn't matter you shouldn't show that it hurts you but in using her platform in that way I think that something that she was able to do is show a lot of women out there who perhaps don't have that same level of visibility that it, it like if that kind of thing happens to you like it's not okay like even if other people didn't see it like you should you should feel all right standing up for yourself in the way that you feel comfortable with uh, to show that you don't deserve to be treated that kind of way especially in a professional space so just I wanted to touch on that briefly, then tying it back into Vice President Harris. So um, there was that quote that I mentioned uh, previously with regard to the unique blessing and occasional burden that it is to be a first. And so I think that that is definitely like quantified by uh, Vice President Harris in her current role and also when she was serving as a senator and so on um, as a prosecutor. I think that it's it's really it's really important that her being a first is highlighted for people who haven't been able to see that. I think we've probably, many people, um, I think you guys who are on this podcast here with me right now have seen the posts following the inauguration uh, with regard to like young girls, like watching um, when she was, when she was sworn in and all of those elements and just seeing like that kind of representation from a young age. I think that's really critical. And I think that's something that she has pointed out as something that's important to her. The influences that the women in her life have had on her have been something that are really critical. But alongside that, also making sure that the legislation that she wants to get passed, the perspectives that she holds are the really defining features of herself in terms of what she's going to do as a politician, as a public servant, and making sure that like the people who are looking to her maybe at first because she is a first keep looking because of the positives that she's bringing to our country uh to the the specific administration and so i think having both in mind is something that's really important for like i personally um am a child of immigrants as well as african-american i'm ethiopian-american to be specific um and so like seeing that particular kind of representation like i said before it wasn't like i didn't have like a major like aha moment like like some people may have like those little girls who are watching her um those those videos and pictures that were shared but knowing that like a woman in that position is able to do more than just be that symbol in the most basic of terms is something that that can really make that difference, even if it's just considering what I have the opportunity to do in the future, what others have the opportunity to do in the future. So I think the both the unique blessing and the occasional burden that she is dealing with that other members of Congress are dealing with in being the first in something or being one of few in something whether that be ideologically, in a religious sense, in their race, gender, uh, sexual orientation, so on and so forth, is something that making sure that they are not just whatever quick moniker got them onto that newscast the first time. They're really making sure that taking that they're taking that attention, taking the vision that they had that drew them into that position to the first place, and making sure that they represent the perspectives of their constituents and the perspectives and, and ideals that they held true to themselves when they were when they were running in the first place. So I think as long as there's that combination, understanding of that responsibility in both senses, that is all you can ask of any representative, of any politician, of any person in that public space, including uh, Vice President Harris. Guys, just before we end this episode, you know that the Student Voice podcast is not only a way to uplift voices, but we're also a way for you guys to find resources yourselves to get involved with these um, battles and to also just educate yourself. So a couple of amazing organizations that I want to mention, and I know Allison has a few as well, are Black Girls Vote, Girls Incorporated, YWCA, National Organization for Women in the United States of Women. All of these are tremendous 
organizations, they work at national levels, not only to connect women to each other from across distances, but also to amplify their voices, just as we're doing here. And Alison, I know you had a few you wanted to mention. Yeah, so just a couple of quick ones that I wanted to mention. So one, UN Women, United Nations Women. Um, we spent a lot of time talking more about United States uh, feminism and, and issues with gender tonight, um, which certainly would be more pertinent to all of our experiences, but it is very important to look beyond um, our a Eurocentric view um, and looking towards the Western world. So um, definitely take a look at some of their resources and some of the work that they're doing all over, all around the world. Um, so definitely UN Women, Malala Fund as well uh, for a similar purpose. Um, and also the National Women's Political Caucus. Um, it was created by some of the, uh, this is this is specific to the United States, but it was created by some of the, the revolutionary uh, second wave feminists of the 70s. Um, and it's still kicking today and working bipartisan, um, working to get bi bipartisan across the aisle women into political uh, roles. So definitely check both of those out, see their resources um, and try to give them some support if you can. Absolutely. And as a former Secretary General, I would be remiss if I didn't once again highlight um, the organization to the more international perspective that Allison just mentioned. We definitely sometimes don't get the whole picture just based on where we reside and the media that we um, take in. But the other thing I wanted to mention was it was actually not another specific organization, but I wanted to say that in regardless of what space that you're in, what interests that you hold, just making sure that you represent yourself um, in the best way that you possibly can. If you do what you love with confidence and you represent the perspectives that you hold dear with confidence, then you are doing your best to represent women in whatever sphere that you're doing it in. Um, and that goes if you're not, a, you are representing yourself in whatever group you identify with to the best of your ability in a way that you can feel confident and secure in. So these are great spaces to create um, and, and reach out to a community that uh, ha represents a perspective that you might not have a lot of in your life, but also beyond that, beyond being educated in those fields, just bringing your best self to everything that you are interested in and participating in. So it's, it's, it can be a lot, but I think the best way to pare it down is if you are the best version of yourself, and you feel happy with the decisions that you have made, then you are the best representative that you personally can possibly be for the groups that you find yourself to be a part of. Very, very well spoken, Salam. And of course, we would not be able to end this episode without plugging the organization that brought us all together. So Allison and I are heavily involved with youth and government, being two youth governors, as well as Salam is involved with youth and government as well. But she was also the secretary general of a program called um, Model UN. So if you have these programs near you, or if you even want to research them, we highly, highly, highly recommend because it allowed us to meet people that we can have really fruitful conversations with just like this. And we will make sure that you guys do receive all of these organizations in these show notes. Yes, absolutely. And just wanted to say all of those programs, both the Model UN side and the youth and government side are run through the YMCA. Um, and then of course their partner organization is also the YWCA. They aren't quite as involved with running those organizations, but of course the YMCA and its modern state um, is, is inclusive of those with all gender identities um, and religions. And yeah, I just wanted to, to lastly just make a point uh, sort of jumping off of what Salam said. Um, and this is going to be more of the, the cheesy empowerment side of things. Um, but certainly if you find yourself, whether it be in something like youth in government that was so impactful for us, um, but any space where you have the opportunity for a leadership position, if you have the ideas motivating you to go for something, if you believe that you can genuinely make change in a space, 
sometimes you won't know that you're being held back by some of those perceptions and fears that we spoke about before. Um, but try to look within yourself and see where the hesitation is coming from. And if it's coming from somewhere like that, then whether it be finding that within yourself or finding a role model or finding a friend, figure out a way to still make those changes, whether it be by going for a position or something like that, or just volunteering in your community. There's so many ways that you can make change and finding the, the ways in which to do that, regardless of the fears that you have, um, is incredibly important, not only for you um, and for, for your own self-fulfillment and self-actualization, but also for the communities around you, because each person, all, all ladies out there, but everyone, truthfully um, has the ability to make an immense amount of change. So just seek out those opportunities um, and find people who will support you to do so and really reflect on, on what's motivating you. Yeah. Uh, on that note, I would like to thank on behalf of the entire The Student Voice podcast team, Salam and Allison for being our first official guests on the show. You guys have been absolutely amazing and I'm excited to see what you guys do next because I know there is going to be a next for both of you, but this has been the Student Voice Podcast. Thank you guys for listening.